Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. Tonight, if you're into the trading and stock market, then you'll be excited to hear about our topic for tonight, and that is that we'll be looking at managing trading risk using the 2% rule for stocks and forex trading. This rule is so critical to your long-term success that it can't be underestimated. For those of you who are new tonight, our goal as always is to inform and educate you on the realities of successful investing and trading. And so along with our topic, we'll also be answering your questions and looking at stocks for you, along with giving you our view on the Australian market. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. That was very good, wasn't it? <laughs> I thought you nearly stuffed up. He only praises me if I actually get it spot on, doesn't he? I was, while you're doing that, I'm thinking, I did a survey yesterday on YouTube and I asked people questions and all these people answered and then I forgot to look at it just before to get the results for it. I asked you to do a poll. I was so excited about it. I did do it. I actually did do it. But you you will remember the answer though, won't you? Yeah, well, as of last last night, we've found that only 10% of people Mm. who answered the poll, which are the people watching our YouTube channel, are actual traders. The rest of people are investors and buy and hold, or new new people, okay. investors and buy and hold. And it was like, as I said, it was like 90% mm-hmm. were either total newbies or were um, beginners. Did you expect anything different? No, I, I, well, I did. I actually expected a few more traders. So that 10% uh, between one, 12 months trading and, mm. and then three years with you know ed- highly educated, experienced traders. So, and I would have expected that to be a little bit more. But that do you know that was... people, I've mm. spoken to a few people recently that they tell me they're traders and I say, well, what do you do? And they said they go onto one of those apps on their phone. They're not traders. Mm. No. And I, I was doing actually, um, writing um, an article actually about that saying, well, what is a trader and what's not? Mm. And I'm going to be bringing that up. I'm going to be recording that shortly for that point that of view anyway. Exciting. But we also need to remember for people, tomorrow we're going to be interviewing somebody, a gold expert. So if you're interested in gold, we're doing an interview for our Flix channel or our Talking Wealth TV program for Flix. And that'll go up tomorrow week. Janine and I interviewing that. And also on Friday, part two, we did interview a gentleman called Michael Waits last week we put part one yeah, up that on was Friday. Awesome, wasn't it? That was a really awesome um, mm, love that. Well, yeah I love that chat. <laughs> well part two of that's going up on Friday. So if you haven't seen it go to flicks.net you'll be able to see last Friday's recording um, on episode thirteen or twelve, I don't know, whatever. One of the episodes. Just watch them all, they're all really good. Mm. Um, but anyway, get on that and we'll do in the second part on Friday. But uh, tomorrow we're gonna bring up uh, an expert on gold. So if you need to know about gold or want to know about it, get on to Flix tomorrow and watch our um, show. Actually it'll be Thursday for us, not tomorrow. 
uh, here in Australia because it goes up on it's a, day, it right. it's a day behind in the US anyway. <laughs> but anyway, but if, uh, if, if you do have a burning question for us, so let's get back into the normal show. Um, we'd like to hear from you. So record a 30-second video and email it to info at wealthwithin.com.au. If you are a show, we don't care. Still stick the video in front of your face. I thought I had it. a couple of people today hey? that were going to do it, but I didn't get I the email. Know, why are people doing it? Do it. <laughs> We'd love to see your faces. So send us an email through to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Now, if tonight is your first time watching, then thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you being with us on the show and welcome to the show. Okay, moving on. It's the third Tuesday in the month and this means we look at world markets. So let's get into the charts right now. That's pretty cool. I All like right. the world markets. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, this is the yearly view of what's happening on world markets. Now, you might like to talk about the, the right-hand side of the chart, and I'll just stick to the left-hand well, side. Give me the easy part. Yeah, NASDAQ Composite Index at the top. You can see 23% up for the year, so not a lot of change there. Uh, moving down the list a little bit, Shanghai Comp up 7.5%. The Nikkei's 2.95. Further down, All Ordinaries Index is almost flat at the moment, 0.22%. And we're coming right down to the bottom. We can see Dow Jones Industrial Index down. We're actually mm. beating the Dow Jones at the moment, minus 1.9. Uh, the FTSE, so it shows the tech, the impact of the tech sector on the market, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And when you come down into the last month, you'll see different um, things. You know, even the last week, you'll mm. see some different. There's lots of, um, I won't say lots of it, but there's divergence between the S&P, the NASDAQ and the FTSE. So that's what we're, we're there. So when you're looking at that, so if you want to bring it down, on, bring it down to the month. So that's the first yeah. half of this month. So well, let's just, I just want to yeah. mention Sorry? that um, the FTSE's down 20%. Mm-hmm. So compare that to our market as an example, and um, we're sitting a lot better than they are at the moment. Okay. So there's a real skew across the world is really the point of it. Yeah, yeah. So what we've seen over the last week or so, we've seen the Asian markets do better mm. Look, than, I mean, you than can America, see that. and Europe's done better. So. You can, yeah, you can see that in the monthly mm. picture, which I've got up on the screen right now, but it's still not huge. We're just talking 2% for the CAC and DAX 1.92, the FTSE up 1%, uh, mm. the European index up 0.55, so it's only small moves for the month. And looking at what's happening across the, what's been sold off across the board for the month, we can see that we're sort of sitting with um, 2.68, we're sitting with the, the S&P 500, mm. more or less in line with that. They're down 3.3. Um, Shanghai Comp, minus 3.4. And then the NASDAQ's actually minus 6.88. Yeah, well, that was because of, mm. like, when I was talking about on my market report for Flix today, for the US market report, I was talking about that because Apple was up yesterday, Monday, yes. in the US. Now, Monday in the US means this morning it closed. So we haven't seen Tuesday in the US. So Apple was up 3%. But looking at that, the rest of the market wasn't in that the S&P mm. really wasn't going with it. So that NASDAQ comp, that was actually down further than that. So what we're seeing at the moment is the, the Dow is not necessarily running with the S&P and the NASDAQ. The S&P was held back by those top stocks, those yeah. the technology stocks. So I'm thinking... Right now, well, and you also had the energy like Chevron and ExxonMobil. They're both performing pretty poorly. And you can probably understand that given what's going on with oil at the moment. Oil's Mm. at a fairly low price, but you can also understand it with the world not moving and America not moving as much, you Mm. know, with COVID-19. But they're moving into winter too. Mm. So that could change. Um, But at the moment, I'm seeing the tech sector slow down, the tech end slow down. I'm seeing 
Asia pick up, I'm seeing Europe pick up, but America not picking up. That's mm. what I've seen. Over. And this is only the short term. I'm only talking the last four weeks. This is yeah. sort of being, there looks like a bit of a shift at the moment. Well, let's just go to the weekly so we can see what's mm. happening really short term because it's the start of the week and whether things are changing. So across the board there, you can see it's a sea of green almost, except for what's happening in the FTSE uh, European mm. markets. But most know, of really that lagging. was yesterday. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. the Asian markets is in there today. But oh, you've got the lead. Mm. Yeah, you've got the lagging time for Europe and America in all of that. So the Asian markets. But have, still the NASDAQ mm. comps up 1.87. Yeah, yeah, but that was Monday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, correct. So it'd be interesting to see what, and to me, it's it's not what it's opened at on Monday or what it's done on Monday. It's what's, as you constantly say, yeah. well, what's it going to be on Thursday and Friday? So is that, well, I'm even is that, looking. Mm. I'm even looking Wednesday afternoon these days. Mm. It's changed a little bit. It used yeah. to be that I'd always wait till Thursday. You're getting impatient. No, it's not me. It's <laughs> actually the people who are trading it have changed in terms of what they're doing. So sometimes mm. when a stock is likely to trigger a buy, mm. it, you actually notice it on a Wednesday. You notice them moving on a Wednesday, whereas they used to move on a Thursday. Now I'm not saying that we would buy, trade on a Wednesday because that's mm. not confirmation of what's happening always. Um, however, mm. they're just—it looks like that they're—they're they're just a bit um, more eager, to, you know, to and either to in. get in or get out, making their dis short-term decisions that way. Well, I know mm. a lot of people. Be, a lot of people want. Well, what I find is investors and traders want certainty. They want us to say the market's going up, the market's going to go down. Mm. And then they go, then they want to put money in the bank and go, yeah, that's what Dala said, or Janine said, this is what's happening. But there's one thing certain about the market is there's no certainty. Mm. So you don't know. And so it's, so maybe that's a bit of them looking at it over a shorter period of time and going, well, I, right now, long-term things and medium-term investing is not there where shorter-term stuff is a bit better. Now, I did, yeah. I did, I've actually just sent an article to CanStar on short-term investing while you would do it. So I'm not sure when it's going to go up on CanStar. That's but fantastic. No, I did okay. that today. But to me, it's about why would you short-term trade or short-term invest. But mm. time for another story that anyway. Yeah, I mean, for short-term mm. traders, it's interesting to look at those mm. closes, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just mm. to see what's happening in the stocks or markets that they're trading to see mm. if they can see a point of difference there. Yeah, I totally mm. agree with you. And at the moment, I see, I'm seeing a shift in that early stages of what I think is a shift. Now, it's unconfirmed at the yeah. moment because we don't know. We don't know if the NASDAQ and the Dow and everything are going down. It looks like the pendulum swing. But, but, but this is not really helping mm -hmm. the majority of the people who are watching the show right are, now. Are though. we here to help them? Are we? Are we? Oh, okay. Sorry, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, because, you know, if, if 10 to 15% mm -hmm. or whatever, and look, you know, you, you yeah. didn't survey a big group of people, did you? It wasn't a huge number that you saw at that point when you looked at it. Oh, there was like 40, but there could be 500 yeah. now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, look. well it'd, be, it'd be great to look at it uh, tonight when I'll we I'll give you the results the next week. <laughs> yeah. you Did you wait. leave the poll open? You might have yeah, it's still it open. So you haven't hit the poll, go and hit the poll, whatever it is. So, but anyway, have, right. you, have you said everything so, you needed to say or no? Yeah, I think that that's all. It's just that it's interesting for the week, though, that we're already up at the start of the week. And I think that's the point that you were making before, mm. that markets, you know, don't set the scene at the start of the week. So just because we've got all these markets making positive gains on a, on a Monday excited. or Tuesday... Don't get excited about it cool. yet. All right. Now, before we get into our first question for tonight, if you do have a question, whether it's about a stock, anything in general, or how I do my hair, which I'm happy to answer that as well, <laughs> it's really wise to ask questions. As they say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Now, remember, the more detail you provide, the more we like it. That said, uh, Janine does not want war and peace. Um, and all, so basically just a few sentences um, will suffice for us. Now, Janine, you've got the first question. So concentrate. <laughs> concentrate. Concentrate, call me out. 
You know, well, I'd actually wanted to say something about your hair. Because you used to dye it, but you don't anymore, do you? I do occasionally. Okay. Because yeah. I get yelled at if I don't. Really? <laughs> you know, I, I, I saw you... something on Facebook the other day. Yeah. It said something like, um, pizza comes in a square box, it's made round, but you get it in triangles. So if you understand why that is, you might understand a woman. And I went, well, isn't that interesting? But anyway, first question, Janine. Someone told me the other day that they said that you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a fun guy. That's why uh, they call me Mushroom. Yeah, that's great. Okay, All right. Go. Our first email is from Ant. Hi, Dale and Janine. I bought Internab at $14.50 and Woodside at $16 as a first-time trader. My intention was to buy the dip and hold value stocks. I've seen the portfolio value rise by 12000 and slowly drop week on week. Is that right? Seeing the share price slowly drop, should I sell and capture a small profit now or wait it out? I wish I had found you guys earlier. Thanks and regards, Ant. Well, thank you, Ant, for your email. It's fantastic. We'll have a look at NAB now. So let's just um, oh, cool. move to the chart there. You can see I've got the long-term picture of NAB on the left-hand side of the screen, and you're probably thinking, well, it's just Is he all... talking about his portfolio falling or just the stock falling? Well, or I think because he's bought two stocks, right, and, yeah. and the, the value's falling. So I took it as that he's just bought these and they're causing the fall, but... You know, well, look, I look, what, look at what's happened. Place. Yeah, with with COVID, but you know, but how does somebody know if they haven't, if they can't see a chart? He said he wished that he had have followed us hmm. before, but I'm sure if he's looking at the chart on the screen now, he can see that the stock's in a long-term decline. This low may have bottomed out, but you don't know when stocks come off these bottoms for certain whether they've bottomed out, hmm. and that's the risk you take if you try to trade off the bottoms. You've got to have some decent rules though, and and NAB, stocks like NAB, you know, they've traditionally um, and big banks have traditionally made people money over time, depending on when you got into them. And it was you and I have been saying for years that just because it's a bank shouldn't mean that you have a different view on it to what you do other stocks on the market. Just mm -hmm. because it pays good dividends doesn't mean anything. And I think this whole scenario, not because the GFC didn't get that message across, even no. in spite no, of the no. massive decline that we saw on NAB during the GFC, which, you know, let's, let's have a good look at it. Well, all the banks got hit pretty bad in the GFC. They all did, yeah. So if we just pick the top here and we drag this down, you'll see that, you know, the market overall fell 55%, but NAB fell 10% mm. more than mm. the market. So that shows you something because this is not a mining stock, this is a bank. So Correct. you'd expect that um, in the GFC, Australia did quite well. So you'd expect it to be more stable, if anything, and it wasn't. So, okay, it fell 65% roughly, recovered probably three quarters of that, and then started to go weak again with the, the scenario that unfolded with that anti-money laundering that was happening in the Royal Commission. I don't understand why NAB doesn't perform better, because out of the big four, it's the worst performer. Yeah, I know. It's you always know, it's been for a it's, long time. It has been for 20, 30 years or more. Yeah. Hasn't performed, obviously. Now, Anne's probably thinking, oh, gosh, now you tell me sort of... Well, no, it's just statistics. And as you said, he's just he's just found it. He's a beginner investor, mm. so he bought what he thought was safe. And a bank, you would think, yeah, I'll buy one of the big four. That's what you do. Mm. And that's really that myths that is perpetuated by the industry. You know, go and sector invest, buy the big stocks, buy some banks, buy you know, buy BHP or whatever else, buy Woolworths and Yeah, know, and then West what happens farmers. is because they're paying a decent dividend and people mm. get fixated on this theory about having to get the income from dividends and not mm. necessarily from capital gains, which is what we talk to people about, then you get stuck into this thinking that you've got to hold on to the stock because you want the dividends. You know, it's that's but that's how it that's why they do that. That's why they pay you the dividends so that you will be around. Um, mm. So looking at NAB at the moment it looks like it's finding support and maybe coming off an important bottom, but look, until it 
mm. breaks above about 1850, we don't know that it's going to keep going yeah. up just yet. And Woodside being in energy at the moment wouldn't be doing that well. Yeah, but look, if so. you were, I wouldn't be selling right now unless it yeah. actually started to push down. And depending on where your stop loss is, you've can got I, to set a stop. Can That's I just say thing. buy my book? Yeah, yeah, Can that's I just a good say, idea. buy my book, mate. It, it mm. really will help you understand how to exit because you do need to put a stop loss engine in. I'm going to tell you to sell at the moment because uh, it depends on your plan. If it's longer term, it's different. If it's shorter term, it's different to plan again. So just buy my book and you can make up your own mind. We'll give you some rules around that. But anyway, let's get into our next. Thank you for asking the question, by the way, too. It really, we do appreciate that. But the next question we have is from Niall. Um, Niall says, hello, Dale. Hi, Dale. Enjoy your shows and regularly pick up some clues. Fantastic. Get the clues from Janine, you get the jokes from me. Now, on a recent show, you had a segment on capital gains tax, and I feel the capital gains tax is taking more than capital gains. Capital gains tax. I'm not sure exactly what he just said then. Um, example, say you have $1 million in a share portfolio, then after five years, you sell for, say, $1.5 million. When tax time comes around, as you've held the shares for over 12 months, you only pay half of the 200 and half uh, or $250,000. So if you've got 500000 in a taxable gain, then the government allows you to reduce that by 50%. Got that. Um, in round numbers, say the tax is 100000 on the 250000 which means you have $1.4 million left. However, the inter then decide to buy the same shares again and assume... Um, or unlikely the price of the shares have not changed, you would pay $1.5 million. However, you only have $1.4 million, so you have to borrow 100000 to get back to where... What happened to the 250000 he made? No, he made four hundred in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me finish the question, and okay. I'll talk about that then. Um, in case he's back to he borrowed, you had to buy a hundred thousand to get back to where you were. Howard, I'm assuming Prime Minister Howard mm. did try to correct this by allowing you to index the price of assets using CPI, but this soon fell by the wayside. So we are not only taxing capital gains, but also inflation. Kind regards, Niall. Um, Is it Neil? At, oh, well, I, Is it Neil? Niall. N I E L. Niall. Okay. If it's Neil, I'm, I'm apologising because I'm calling you Niall, but I think I'm getting it right, N-I-L. Okay. Neil spelled N-E-I-L, but that's another argument we've got to have. No, I think um, we'll let that go. No. Um, but the, the answer to the... There's no question there, and, and you're looking at it 100% the wrong way. You've made $1.4 million. You paid $100,000 to make $1.4 make $400,000. What's the problem with that? You know, our tax system for investing in Australia is one of the best in the world. We can negatively give. Try and do that in other countries around the world. You can't do that. So it's not about how much tax you're paying and you don't go out of a stock and then try and buy back in at the same time again at the same price. You're selling out of a stock No, he was just using that as an example. I understand that, but I don't really understand the, the comment. I think the comment is that, because it occurred, it, and I think the best place for anyone to go really is to go to the, go to your the ATO website. Mm. Before you go to the accountant, don't, don't mm. make that mistake, because sometimes it's the quality of the question that you ask that um, sometimes all of the time it determines the quality of the answer that you get um, case in point and look if you go to the ATO website the Australian Tax Office website they have lots of examples on this sort of thing so mm. I'd suggest that you actually have a really good look at that but it's not a negative no, paying capital gains tax isn't a negative, but the people have been brainwashed to think that that's the it's case. I'd rather mm. pay the tax man a million dollars well, in tax. The whole industry is working on the fact that they can convince people towards the end of the financial year to st sell stocks that they're in loss 
to offset the capital gains. So they're selling without any rules, but all of a sudden, because they didn't have a stop loss, didn't have anything, but because they've got losses sitting there, oh, look, I think you could sell those stocks to offset your gains. To offset that anyway, mm. but the, the, yeah, uh, the more tax I'm paying on my investments, that means the more money I'm making. So it's, it's to me, it's just looking at it the other way around. It's not about you have to pay tax. Everybody's got to pay tax. That's mm. it. So, but you've made four hundred thousand dollars. So that's what I'd be looking at. But thanks for sending in your question anyway, and hopefully we made a little bit of sense on that. Um, the next question we have is from Sandra, who says, "Hello, I'm a viewer of both the live Tuesday night shows and Dale's market reports. I just wanted to compliment Janine. See, she watches me, but she compliments you. Isn't that good? Um, <laughs> wanted to compliment Janine for her recent mining industry segment. That was awesome, wasn't it? Um, I took notes and have been referring to them this week as I'm compiling a watch list. I think." looking at sector and its trends as a whole and then drilling down to individual stocks was really very helpful, especially as this is a clear, clearly a sector Janine is passionate about, absolutely. I'd love to see this revisited every couple of months as an important part of the Australian market. I'd love to see you do a similar treatment on other market sectors. I've read regularly, referred back to Dale's books and continue to learn and enjoy the show's kind regards. Sandra, where's the question? Yeah, I've already put, I told you that the other day, I've already put some of this information. I wasn't going to read out her email because I would feel funny about that. But I did put Why? some of the topics into a spreadsheet. Um, to cover off some of the things that Sandra's asked about. So I just really appreciated the fact that she oh, okay. asked for something else in addition to that, shows her interest in the, the topic. So Can I have $10? Thank you for that, Sandra. <laughs> I need more money for the swear jar, I think. <laughs> OK, I'm going to talk about the next one then. Andrew, hi, Dale and Janine. I want to say thank you for all of your hard work that you've put in. I bought your book last month and have cleaned up my portfolio and increased my return dramatically. Thanks. My question is, are you able to start a business by just trading stocks? And can you please look at CDV for me? Um, it has some solid days and got my attention. Thanks for your time. It did certainly. Look, do you want to talk about the trading? And I'm going to talk about CDV. Yeah, like you, yeah absolutely. Your trading is a business to me. And that's the thing is what I was talking about a little bit earlier about what's a trader and what's an investor. Most people that tell me they're traders are really just active investors. And just because you can buy and sell a share doesn't make you a trader. Um, and some people just because you use your app or an online portal and buy and sell some shares doesn't make you a trader. A trader is a business in my view and a trader, if you run a business, you have a plan, you know, you have a, we have a business plan, a trader has a trading plan um, and you treat it like a business. And your taxation is a little bit different as well. If you're an investor, you pay capital gains tax like we talked about with Niall. But if you're a, a trader creating, running it as a business, then when you sell stocks for a profit, it's just like revenue coming. It's like selling you know, 100 cups of coffee or whatever it is at the shop. That's your revenue coming in minus whatever expenditures you have and then that whatever's left over, that's what your taxable income is for the year. And so you can be both uh, an investor and a trader or you can be a trader on your own. But to be a trader, earning your income, and this is probably another thing that a lot of people mis misconstrue is they need to be a day trader and nine times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100, I ask somebody what a day trader is and they go, I'm not really sure. And the a lot concept, of people think it is you're just sitting in front of a screen all day. And I think it's just sitting in front of a screen all day, but day trading is not the goal. It's to be able to earn a lifestyle from it. And then mm. when I say to them, what do you want to do? What do you want to day trade? Oh, I want to earn a living from trading. Well, then why do you want to sit in front of a screen for eight hours a day? Because you don't need to do that. Educated traders can trade one or two hours a day or one or two hours a week and make their money 
for the week or for the month or for the year, and that's how they do Once it. Once they get their processes Once and systems and everything. Once you get your processes and mm. systems right, and that's what we teach people to do. And, and mm. I find a lot of people continually make time and money their excuse. I want to be a day trader, but I don't have any money mm. or I don't have any time. And they made these massive excuses and then they never get to Why that point. Why do we point. have to call it something? Why can't it just be trader Correct. and let's I'm keep just it trading. simple? It doesn't matter whether you trade on a monthly chart, weekly chart, mm. daily chart. It's you're a trader. I'm just a trader. That's what I'm doing yeah. and I'm making my money. So, mm. yeah, it's possible to earn your living from trading as long as you're educated and knowledgeable. And, and that's really what Janine and I do. We educate and we mentor people to trade well and become professional traders. Mm. So let's go and look at the stock before right. I keep going. Cardinal Resources. Now, slapped. this is a really interesting one. Okay, I'm not a violent person, not, not often. Um, mm. Looking at the, the stock there, you can see mm. once it got to around 70 cents a couple of times back here, the first time it, it traded up here was in 2016 and then broke up again in 2017. Now, for those who are new to the show, on the left-hand side of the chart, we always put the monthly chart so we can see a bird's-eye view of what's going on mm -hmm. with the stock. This tells us a lot of things because when you decide to do our course, we actually teach about price pattern and time. So looking at this without actually having to put anything on the chart, there's a whole lot of analysis that would go onto the chart. But because we already know how to do this, we can see mm. it with just by looking at it where this is in its overall pattern. Now, it's gone to a new all-time high recently, which is a really great thing for this stock. Mm. But long, more medium term to longer term, it could keep going up. There's a possibility. But there's a short-term risk with the share at the moment because of the strength of this recent rise. It, it could. It has a potential to pull back and fill these gaps. But because... The, well. But you need to look over the history of the share and see whether it always does that or not, because it may not, especially being on the lower end of liquidity, which yeah. this is probably one of those shares. Um, the, the, the daily chart actually look, the weekly chart actually looks okay, but let's just have a look, see if we can get volume up there on the chart. I'll put some volume up there. Now you can see this look huge spike volume. Mm. So what, um, I'll just bring the cross here across as well. And we can see there that um, we've got 106. Is it roughly 106 yeah. million shares? Is that right, or is it? Yeah, yeah. More than that, I can't see. It's more than that. Um, yeah, yeah, and we've got um, buy multiplied by a dollar. So a lot of money went into this share. So it's interesting. Something's happening there. I think, with this particular stock. But that doesn't mean that people should get greedy. Like, just because we see some action going on and this is what's happening, it, it doesn't mean that the share is going to keep going up. could be an institution or could somebody be, wants to get yeah, up a, a weighting in you that share know. for some reason or other. So, mm. yeah, cool. All right. So that's Cardinal Resources there. Um, Dale, you, do you want to do the... No, the next part? No, you're All right. Next. Remember to hit that subscribe button now and also like the video. Remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your friends and colleagues so the show can grow and help more people. All right. Now, uh, moving on to They can click the share topic. button on their Facebook because we're live streaming to Facebook can tonight. Can we? Is it working? Yeah, it is working. Fantastic. Hello, all you Facebookers out there. Yeah, go Facebookers. Mm. Now it's time we get into the topic. Well, managing trading risk using the 2% rule for stocks and Forex trading is the topic for tonight. Now, what we're about to share will allow you to have greater confidence in the market in any conditions. Tonight we want to share with you two critical risk management strategies that will allow you to minimise your losses while maximising your profits. While in the past we've impressed upon you the importance of setting stop losses, managing your trading risk in the market, this, and this involves more than just working out your exit price. Remember that in case your position goes south after you exit. Now that's not to take away from the importance of setting a stop loss every time you trade, as this is really critical to your long-term success. 
Now, this is about adding another layer to your structure as well of protection to the way that you manage risk. And this works hand in hand with setting your stop loss. So let's take this one step further. One of the most important risk management strategy rules that you'll hear us talk about is the 2% rule. Now, did you talk about this in your book? Yeah, it's in my book. You did. Okay, That's so how if, important it is. Okay, it's very important. Now, um, to, mm. to refer to this in the book, and if you haven't highlighted, if you've been reading it, I suggest that you highlight it. Okay, so this this is a real, um, I guess it's probably one of the, would well, you say I this is top most two? People, can I suggest, from my mm. chatting with people over my first book's been out since, what, 2004? And nobody ever mentions this. Nobody Everybody mentions, mentions it's the stop loss, but nobody mentions nobody the 2% mentions rule. It, so most people miss it, and mm. yet it's the most important rule. Well, yep. one of the most, the most important rules, yeah. So it's about not risking more than 2% of your total capital in any one trade. And these risk management principles can be applied to trading stocks and Forex. Now, while traders generally agree it is important to set a stop loss as this forms part of your money management rules, it's just as important to keep your position sizing the same and consistent when trading stocks or Forex as this makes trading simpler and calculating your overall risk much easier so that you can stay under the 2% risk rule. Now, while we endeavour to keep stop losses and position sizing consistent, if you decide your trading risk is too high, then you can adjust either your stop loss or your position size. We do so in order to reduce the potential loss and stay within an acceptable level of risk for every trade. And that said, be careful because in these changing um, times, mm. money management is one of the most important things. So it's the structuring of the, the allocation of your capital and setting of the stop losses and adhering to that 2% rule. We say this as so many individuals frequently set stop losses far too tight and end up losing more times than they win. And so many times they see the same stock rise again after they've stopped, been stopped out or they put too much capital into one stock and ignore the impact of the risk that they're taking on their overall capital to their detriment. Remember, it's far more important before you trade to really understand risk management, including how to apply stop losses, so that you not only protect your profits, but your capital as well. Now, this approach will in the long run save you thousands and depending on your account size, potentially hundreds of thousands. Okay, so that's important, mm. isn't it? It's because it's not, you've always said it doesn't matter um, what size the portfolio is and how big your trades are, no. the same rule should apply. You yeah. always consider the same risk management strategy over any portfolio, whether it's a $10,000 portfolio, whether it's a million dollar portfolio. Yeah, I had a, I was chatting to an accountant one day on the phone and he was managing $10 million um, of money. And I said, and I said, so how are you doing that? And he goes, oh, I've got these three or four screens on my desk. And he said, it's consuming all my day. And you know, I'm with clients, I keep looking at these screens. And I, and I said, do you know how long it would take me to manage that in a weekly basis? He said, no. And I said, about an hour. Mm. And he goes, what do you mean? And he said, he said, I've got all these positions. I said, well, you've got way too many positions. So I, was he day trading or was he just nervous? Well, he had, yeah, well I, I said, I'd bring you down to 10 positions. That's all I'd be doing. And I'd be mm. doing X, Y, and Z. And he's like, well, I'm doing this. And I said, well, you're making your life really, really hard. And you're consuming yourself. And that's what a lot of people think. But what we're going to do now is give you six things you need to think about to position yourself well in any market. Now, the first and foremost one that we've got is being clear on the total capital you are allocating to trading. Now, I know this is a big area for you. And I know a lot yeah. of people don't factor this one in, do they? Yeah. When we're working with people mm. through our trading support service, this comes up. Mm. So 
people will often read things, like you say, people have taken us out of context for a lot of things. Even when people are reading your book, they'll, t they'll take you out of context and say, well, Dale said, you know, you take your total capital and then you apply these um, guiding rules or the structure that you're talking about across the portfolio. Mm. But it depends on where you're at. So if you've only just started trading, you're not going to take the total available capital that you have, which might be, you know, 100,000 for one person and, you know, a few hundred thousand for another person, might be 10,000, I don't know. But you're not going to take the, a blanket rule and just apply it to the whole no. lot without the experience. So, but people are taking you literally. Yes. And that's a real concern for me because they're not, you know, when you're, when you're crawling, right, you've got to crawl before you can walk. And when you're crawling, you need to start smaller and build yourself up because it will impact your psychology if you try to take a lot of money and put it into the market before you've really understood the market and the rules and been and proven to yourself that you can apply them. That's important. But that's where you, the earlier part, what you said, we need to look at what we stand to risk. And it's not... It's not percentage terms, it's actually how many dollars. So if you have $10,000 and you put $8,000 on the one trade yeah. and you start losing, your psychology is going to be a lot worse than if you put $1,000 on that same trade. Yeah. So that's what we mean by understanding that risk. What are you standing to lose? Because you need to put it on an amount that you're comfortable with if, it, if you get it wrong. That's right. And people really need to get that because, and I think it was, it was, probably, I don't know, about 10 mm. years ago when I first started seeing that people weren't quite getting that. So they mm. were just so focused on the stop loss because that's what we talked about, that they didn't think about the dollar amount at all. Mm. And so then at our workshops that we ran back then, like I would get up on the stage, both of us, and, and I'd ask people, put your hands up mm. and then start taking your hands down once the level of risk is too much for you. It's like putting the frog in the, mm. the pot of boiling water. That's a really terrible example, isn't it? Yeah. Just to think about but it. It is. Um, and then, you know, but you're basically that frog in that pot. Mm. So what's happening is that as I start to increase the amount that you're risking, so from $50 to $100, mm. think right now, if I said to you, if you are happy to risk $100 on a trade, are you cool with that? Right, so then a lot of you are probably saying, "Yeah, I'm fine with a hundred. What mm. if I said a thousand dollars? Are you comfortable with that? What if it's mm. two thousand and you've got to put the trade on, press the button, do all of that? Um, what if it was a million? What if it was you know fifty thousand that you're risking? Is that too much? I mean, I've just jumped right ahead, mm. but you know what I'm saying. So these are the sort of things that you need to do to yourself. Put yourself in that position and ask yourself the question: What are you really comfortable about? Mm. And be really honest with yourself, because I can tell you that what the market will do is it will put it right back at you if you're not comfortable with it. Okay, so let's get on to point um, two. Otherwise, I'd... we're going to run out of time and oh, we're okay. going to get yelled at. So point two. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work out whether you're trading leveraged or cash, and, and these are really important considerations. I find a lot of people jump into leverage trading before they even understand how to trade with cash, yeah. you know, and because when you're leveraging your dollar amounts that you're trading with, get over to those uncomfortable levels that you're talking with, mm. but not only are they trading in these uncomfortable levels, if they do lose, then they've got to pay the money back. And it can go really quick. Mm. And I saw this guy on TV, and mm. he was talking about putting himself in extreme situations where he felt... Mm. you know, he was at risk, right? So his life was actually at risk. So here we're mm. risking money. Um, this guy was risking his life. So you've really got to put it in the context, not of risking your life, but mm. in terms of put it in the context of, you know, where does that become too much for you? You know, 
yeah. and leverage. People start off with leverage, so they're testing themselves in that extreme environment, if you like, before they've even started where it's fight. comfortable. So what's number yeah. three? Number three or four? Number three. Aren't we out to number three? <laughs> I don't know. Risk management strategy. Okay, number four. Oh, I love this. Um, so, you know, risk management, that's really important to have so a strategy. So that's the level of risk you're willing to thing. accept, number three. Um, okay. Okay, number yep. four is risk management strategy. So at the trade level and the, and the total capital level, okay? So this is your strategy applied across the individual stock that you're trading mm -hmm. and also overall. And this is where the 2% rule comes in that we were okay. just talking about before. So did you want to say something on that? I don't know, I'm just waiting for me to bring out the PowerPoint. I'm you're excited. waiting for me to take a breath? <laughs> no, I'm waiting for me to bring out the PowerPoint. We've got some slides, when's okay. that? Well, you can, you can do that as soon as it pops up on the screen there for oh, you. Oh, we can do that. Okay. So we're going to take you through an example. That's what we're going to do, guys. So we'll take you through an example. Yeah. Sorry, Janine just gets excited, don't you? But on your screen, let's have a look at on the screen. So you can say the risk example. Let's say you've got uh, $10,000 to trade and each trade is $2,000. You're splitting up your $10,000 into five separate positions. Your stop loss is 10% or $200 on that trade. So if you do get it wrong and you exit at 10%, you've lost $200. If you're comfortable with that, that's fantastic. So your risk is 2% of your total capital because your total capital is $10,000 and you're only standing to lose $200 on any one trade. So that's 2% of your total of your $10,000. So now we keep moving on. So if each trade makes 10% unleveraged for $200 profit, if you're somebody who wants to put leverage into your life, you've got 10 trades, five stocks times two trades per year. No, that's year. still unleveraged. Oh, still unleveraged, sorry. I'm um, keeping you, an eye on you. If you do 10 <laughs> trades with those five stocks, two trades per year, so two trades per year for each stock, and you make $2,000 or you've made 20% gross return on your trading just with cash on your $10,000 and putting $2,000 into every single trade. Now let's move on, and we're gonna move the decimal point for you for those people who like a little bit of leverage. So whether it's using FX or CFDs or whatever that is. Once so you're trained. Once you understand, and once you can consistently make that profit with cash, then you can move into leverage and we move the decimal point okay, one so place to the right. Okay, so what's consistent for you over what time frame? Does that oh, mean? look, I'd be looking at a good 12 months. Mm. If you're consistently making that same money and doing that can over 12 months. Can you explain why that is, that's 12 months? Uh, it's because it's you know markets are bullish and bearish and sideways, so you need to understand that you can do this in all market conditions. And, yep. and I'd prefer it over two years, but most people don't have enough patience for that. But you need to prove to yourself you can be consistently applying all the rules and tools correctly. Mm. And over 12 months, you'll start to learn whether you can do that. If you're a bit inconsistent, then do another 12 months yep. until you're consistent. So let's go back to the to the PowerPoint. So if your strategy meaning you can make $2,000 unleveraged, then you can use leverage at 10 to one with a CFD or something else. And your $2,000 on 10 trades, or sorry, times 10, so your normal $2,000 position sizing, on a 10 to one leverage, you now got a $20,000 position, or 200% of your capital. Mm. And that's really where it gets scary for these people because they don't really understand what they're gonna lose here. Yeah. So now we've got, five trades of $2,000 as the margin for five trades of $20,000 mm. exposure. So, and we need to understand that. So if you average 15%, you'd make $30,000. If you average 20%, you'd make $40,000. And if you, and, but what people don't understand is what about the risk? Mm. So what do I stand to lose? on these and this is where where you where you're setting your stop losses and your position sizing. So how would you feel if you had a twenty thousand dollar trade going and you were leveraged ten to one and it fell fell ten percent on you? That means you'd owe two thousand dollars or twenty five percent of your money. 
So that's really what we're talking about here. So, so because so basically, what you're saying is that instead of putting ten thousand dollars into the market, mm. you're actually putting multiples of that in there by using the leverage. Correct. Um, and then when you work all of that out, you end up um, making, you know, probably what was it, double. Well, you can make big money, and that's what people times. think You're of. making 10 times, potentially, yeah. or, or 30 times. Yeah, so that's what I was mm. saying. If you make 15% or 20%, this is what you'd make. And that's what people yeah. look at when they go to leverage. They go, wow, I can make this much money. Mm. But they, they don't understand what's on the screen right now is that that $20,000 position size, if you if it, if it loses 10%, that's $2,000. Mm. That's 25% of your total capital. Four trades and you're out, out the yeah. back door. Mm. Whereas by not risking more than 2%, you have to be wrong 50 times in a row. But this is why you tell roughly. people, Actually, okay, if they're going to put money into higher mm. leverage um, areas like mm. this, whether it's Forex or this, to only take a portion of your total capital Correct. and do that. Whereas, you, you know, you and I have seen and heard terrible stories about people going into mm. these areas of the market and putting all of it, all of their capital in there after they've made a few trades and they had some profit, they gave them a false sense of security. Yes. So then they ramped it up, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And then it went against them. Yeah. So just mm. be careful about what you're doing. Number five, or the last point we've got is understand the different stop losses and how to calculate them. So you have an initial and a trailing stop loss. Now we do do talk about those in my book and uh, Jenny and I have trading talked about mentor. that. They Tra could yeah. learn more in Trading Mentor and more mm. in the short course or the diploma to get yeah. into that. There's but a lot of different rules in the diploma compared to what they're going to get oh, in the absolutely. short course. There's lots of different stop losses. We in use the, both trailing and initial In the Trading Mentor, loss. I mean. Yeah. Mm. But most people make stops or they set their stops in inappropriate levels. They set profit targets. They don't have position sizing. There's a whole range of mistakes that people do. They see this hot tip somewhere on a chat forum and they put a whole chunk of their money in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've also seen traders that have... Mm had a strategy whereby their win-loss ratio gives a result of something like, I don't know, was, this guy was trading every day and his result was mm. something like 50, around 50%. Um, and sometimes it would go mm. below 50%, but mm. this is over the long term. So he was doing this for five years and he was, I said, are you really happy with that? And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, why are you still doing things the same way? So that's when we talked to him about pulling back from trading on the daily charts and mm. just coming back to a slower moving market on the weekly mm. chart and he would make more money that way. Yeah. So mm. an example of a trailing stop is a trend line, guys. So buy my book and you'll see the trend line. An uptrend line is a trailing stop loss. So that's an example of that. Um, initial stop loss or a stop loss is an initial stop loss on your purchase price. Again, that's in my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds, by 20% yep. and on my latest book, Accelerate Your Wealth. So get into that. But I think we need to get back into the um, emails now, don't we? We do, Yeah. Okay, now um, we've got a, uh, an email here. This is going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know. Um, I've got to tell them to remember to hit that subscribe button first. Uh, whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. Can I say something? They also, yes. if they're watching the replay of this or the, the, the comment on the below. Okay. Comment below in the chat box on the, bo on the bottom on YouTube. Okay. To that, give us a thumbs up. All that sort of stuff. So go Fantastic. In. Sorry, I apologise. You go. You can do this one. No, no, I can do that. Okay, now we have a question from Julia. Hi, Dale and Janine. My husband and I have only recently read your book and have taken um, an active interest in sorting out our portfolio. Well, well done. Thank you very much. Um, we are low-risk, long-term investors looking at stocks in the top 20, maybe top 50. Fantastic. I bought shares for Wes Farmers at 31.40 and CBA at 50.60 in 2010 and uh, held on to these for 10 years. 
Now knowing the importance of an exit strategy, we've been looking at trend lines, fantastic. Now the dip in the market at the start of the coronavirus has made it difficult for us to establish a trend line on the monthly chart. Is it a viable option to use the weekly chart in this situation as our judgment is that it is time to exit? Is that is time to exit or should we hold until a monthly trend is confirmed? Thanks, Julia. Really good question. You can use them on the weekly chart too, Julia. It's not a, a big issue, but we're going to bring up a stock, are we? Yeah, we've got West Farmers there. Okay, but, so you want to talk? What's really interesting though is, is mm. her question. So she was looking to do that on the monthly, but clearly the way that the charts unfolded on the left-hand side, it makes yep. it really hard to it's do really that because price is so far away from mm. anything in terms of the trend. It's accelerated so hard. And even on the weekly, it's done so as well. But you can get a trend line up there on the weekly chart and it has actually closed below it according to the rules. Mm. Now, the, the interesting thing with um, what she's saying is that she's thinking already about, okay, I can't get it on the monthly, but what about if I used it on the weekly I to like protect to my capital? Which is a great idea because if you, if you have other rules, then there might be a way to wait on the monthly chart. If your strategy mm. was I was going to trade on the monthly chart, if you did the short course and the diploma, you'd be able to, you could look at whether it was viable with your analysis to switch rules. Like if it accelerated away so hard, you can go to the analysis and see, well, what does it mean if I decide to change from trend lines to a different yeah, rule? Yeah, that is good. The difference between... So she's already thinking like that, you know? Yeah, it is. Good. And it's, mm. it's, but I'm, I'm saying it's fantastic. I really mm. am. And the, Julia, the difference between a monthly and weekly is just the sensitivity. Because when you change the time frame, you change the sensitivity of the rule. So if you put a trend line on a daily chart, it's going to be a lot more sensitive than a weekly chart, and that's less sensitive than a monthly chart. So your entries and exits are slower on a monthly than they are on a weekly. That's all that is. But the same rule applies in terms of the daily, and, uh, sorry, the weekly and the monthly chart. So I don't have an issue at the moment with you using well, it mean, on a weekly chart. Well, I mean, you know, chart. she she should just think about what it is that's important mm. to her at this point, mm. and how is she going to feel if the share price falls further but that's where she and then how would she feel if it turned around and went back up Good and went point. the other way you, you've got to be thinking about that because you know I can remember when I first started out doing the, the analysis that I had some stocks when I first started and this is always a conundrum for people when you start out because mm -hmm. you then all of a sudden have these amazing rules to apply to the chart and you think okay I was going to tr hold this long term you yep. know, and then all of a sudden you see you've learning trend lines and you see a trend line exit mm. uh, and the stock pulls back and then it goes back up again and that can happen. You get you know? buyer's remorse and seller's remorse. Yeah, so and it's that, interesting, that's a, isn't it? So, but that's a really, really, really good point is often mm. people will buy or sell and then they'll, they'll go, oh, you know, didn't do what I expected and it's that remorse. Yep. If you made the decision to buy on rules and it didn't work out, you have an exit strategy with your stop loss. If you sell and the stock goes up, you just have to be comfortable that you sold based on what you knew right then and you thought, I'm protecting my capital, I'm protecting your profit, whatever it is. Uh, and I'm happy with that. And no matter what happens with the stock, you don't need to look at it tomorrow or next week. You just need to move that's on. That's good, yeah, because you don't really... know what's going to happen on the no, right-hand side of the chart. All right, next email. All right. It's from Jim. Hi, Dale. Could you please have a look at Washington H. Sol Patterson & Co. Limited? It's se seeming to be in a solid uptrend and has recently broken through the previous peak after forming a higher trough. Thanks, Jim. All right. On the chart there, we can see that monthly chart obviously it's pushed up over four or five months which looks much better than what it did previously so yeah, it's it sort of come back into it? that sideways zone but mm. it was really looking concerning this month when it with COVID in February when it pulled back so strongly and look it closed right at the bottom of the bar and traded all the way down to $16 from 22 but it has rebounded back up to almost where it was now go figure you know it's done that but now looking at it it's in an uptrend at the moment 
which is nice to see the fact that it's actually trading in a confirmed uptrend. So I actually think that um, it looks okay. It doesn't mm. mean it's not going to fall away again, but if it holds it around these levels, um, then it could do okay. It's, look, it's, there's a lot of resistance though between $22 and $23 for this yeah. stock. Mm. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a super liquid stock because it's held fairly tightly held stock, but it's a good stock, and I do like that yeah. stock. You know, um, I'm not sure it's going to be a fast mover, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be one that's going to be high risk and. and you know, you're not risking the farm on it, basically. So well, I if it could get good. through $22, $23, it would be fine. But It'd be fine. if it went back below this um, trough here, this mm. low here in, at 19.41, then I'd be a bit more concerned about it. All right, mm. so let's get into the next question. And this one is from Baskar. So, hi, mate, how are you doing? Glad to have you on our channel. Um, he says, hi, darling Janine. I never miss any of your shows on YouTube. Fantastic. We love you. Um, it's quite good to get a lot of information from you guys. Really appreciate your work from heart. I have another question today again if we invest in u.s stocks do we have to pay capital gains tax in both countries just curious that if we pay tax in both u.s and australia it's not much profitable as i see many local youtubers talk about u.s stocks and trading apps these days i uh, just wanted to get some information about it um thank you basco look a lot isn't of, there a form you can sign or something yeah 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 it's it's just understanding there's mm. australia and the u.s it's there's two sort of questions there is a lot of people on YouTube are promoting trade overseas and they're pushing the ads and that mm. because people want to see what Apple and everything are doing. So they're trying to get clickbait yep. to get people to watch. So therefore, then they're getting more money out of ads and, and referrals into you know, apps and all that sort of stuff. But it, So that's part of it. But the other part is trading in the US. You don't need to trade in the US. And, you know, these commission-free, you know, things like Robin Hood and the other one's called Stake. It's commission-free. Yeah. Stake, you can trade in the US um, and it's on your app and it basically you push a button and you're going through to a broker in the US so your money's in the US it's being traded in the US you can fraction buy fractions of a stock as well in it because mm. it's all in a big pool so your money's there um, but it's commission free so you're not paying any money for it but what people don't realize is it costs them it's there's nothing free in this world do they actually know that their money's pooled as well no they is don't it, is most that people a, don't even look at is it is that the case on both of those products i'm um, not 100% sure on no i don't think it is the case on the robin hood one but um it is on stake so i, That's I what did you have a look into stake and it didn't really go their pds isn't super detailed about what they do and everything else possibly because it doesn't need to be because it's a US product, even though the apps, Australian, these Australians, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not yeah. making a comment on whether it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's they promote it as there's no, there's no fees, just do it. So getting to your taxation side of things, Australia and the US have a tax treaty so that you won't be double taxed. Now, if you're trading in the US, you're going to need to fill out a W-2 or a W-7 or uh, depending on how you treat it. it. Basically, it's called a non-resident alien. And if you go to the irs.com, which is the Internal Revenue Service in the US, and just type in um, non-resident alien investing, and you'll come up with the rules. But some of these apps that are asking you to trade in the US, they'll actually have the form on their thing, um, and you fill it out and send it off. But you're probably better off going to an accountant or somebody to fill it out because they can be a little bit confusing. But again, you don't need to trade in the US. There's enough, people, enough stocks in Australia to get in trouble with, let alone having to go to the US because you are con contending with US dollar currency exchanges. So whilst they tell you it's, it's free, but they're stinging you on currency conversions, they're stinging you on all sorts of different things. And plus, like the ones with Robin Hood, you're, they're pushing your trade to a broker who's 
buying the stock before and then selling to you and getting a small little clip. So they're making money out of you one way or the other because uh, nobody does things for free. But really good question. Mm. Really good question. Or do they just loan the stock out and that's what they... Well, they could be doing that as mm. well. Um, but yeah. All right. The next question we have is from Jan. Hi, Dale and Janine. I'm looking at this share, BRN. BRN. And is it good to get in now and keep it for long term? Thanks, Jan. Good to see another lady out there. We've a few ladies tonight, haven't we? <laughs> we have. Looking at the chart there, you can see MNF Group. Um, no, you've That's, actually clicked I forward. Clicked the wrong I, I'd already I already had I'd it organised. Well, I didn't have my glasses when Jeez, I clicked. I'm trying to take over again. Sorry. I'll oh, behave myself. I might have to kick you under the table again. Again? Right. Brainship Holdings Limited. Um, B, I've just been told off for social distancing. Okay, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. Okay. Um, Brainship Holdings Limited. Okay. Uh, the code we, we said is BRN. Now, this is just incredible, isn't it, that Holy it's gone moly. up like that? Uh, and I guess, you know, this is what attracts people to some of the smaller ones when they hear about the odd ones that do this. And you, uh, timing, obviously, is so critical. Now, if I wasn't in this stock right now, I wouldn't be touching it because it's just taken off so much. And on the downside, I believe, yeah, you've just pointed to the gap there. Uh, you can see that there's a little gap there on the chart, on that daily chart. So there's a reasonable probability it could come back to that. Now, stocks don't always come back and fill gaps, but it's already filled the first one, which is up higher than that uh, as part of the drop that we've seen on it today. But, it, you know, the probability says that with a move down like that, it could come back further. Now, I think what's happening here is Jan's trying to catch a falling knife. Mm. She's trying to catch it while it's falling down there. And that's really a dangerous thing to do. The, the way that we teach people Does she is... she own it, though? No, she said she was looking to get it. Looking to get it. I wouldn't be getting it. Yeah. But look, the way we teach people is to get it. So, so say you were trading short term and you were trading daily. You want to be trying to... You want to be looking at rules in here for getting in. Mm. It's showing reason to get in as it's rising so but I won't go into the detail there but that's the sort of thing that will if you decide Jen to learn more about this and you want to trade these smaller stocks especially trading the smaller stocks that you really need to understand things at a deeper level. To like my, my understanding mm. I'm not saying about this stock is what I find people do is they see a stock go up 100 200 percent in a couple of months and they want to buy them. And then it comes down and they go, I want to get in because I'm going to make a couple of hundred percent in the next couple of months. So they assume what it did, did do, they're going to do again. Yeah, you've said that before. And that's so, so wrong in that thinking mm. because it's not necessarily going to do it because whatever caused that to run, it could have been news or speculation and or somebody some ran it. You don't know who's selling into that. You don't That's know who's thing. selling into it. So, yeah. but anyway, let's move on to the next question, which is from, I don't know who it is, Falzia. Falzia. I hope I said that right. Falzia. 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 I said that right. Thank you, Miss Wordsmith. Um, hi, Dale and Janine. Can you please give me some insights on the above stock, MNF? Posted a reasonably good result, and the company is geared to grow as it moves into Singapore and further down the road. It has plans to move into Southeast Asia, yet with all these positive news, it's still it's still heading south. Can't understand why. Love your show, Falzia. Okay, interesting. Okay. Like it, it's not it's not actually still heading south just yet because it even though a stock when a stock comes back, it doesn't mean it's going to continue to fall. 
So the COVID low, the fact that it went through this low was really important for this mm. share. It might have padded out the bottom. We've seen a number of shares do this recently. We've got a few shares on our watch list, not this one. We've got um, some stocks that are much bigger, more liquid stocks that have made these big lows and they've bounced out of it and they're just coming back and we're watching to see whether they find support and then start moving up again because mm. if they do, then it could be a real opportunity because if this mm. thing finds support over the coming weeks or months, it, and mm. it may have to come back to 4 four twenty to do that. It might find I support now. Right, it's holding up reasonably well. Yeah. But if it starts to move up from here and heads about back above 545, 60, somewhere around there, it may be the start of the next move up. Mm. So, you know, you have some really good rules on this share and it could turn out to be It's a, quite volatile, nice... but I mean, I, I, mm. it might now it looks like it's there's some interest in there for me anyway. Yeah, it looks interesting. Uh, mm. But not right now. I think I'd be hanging, like you're wait, sitting back at. But anyway, let's All go. Right, uh, now we have a question from Nick. Hello, Dale and Janine. Hope you're both safe and well. Thank you very much for asking. We hope you are too. Have been watching IAG to buy for a while, but it's still in a serious downtrend from the start of this year. Where do you see the stock going in the next six to 12 months? Keep up the amazing work to you both. Thanks, Nick. All right. Looking um, at IAG. IAG. Now this is an insurance company. Now, um, this, one of the senior people on our team doesn't like insurance stocks at all. Um, look, every stock has and its... she's not talking about me, guys. <laughs> I'm <laughs> he's not got grey hair, but he's not... <laughs> no. Yeah, so, um, you know, every stock has its day. Now, I remember one of the things that Dale used to say years ago was that Telstra was a dog stock, D-O-G, should have that as the code instead of T-L-S. But, you know, insurance stocks have been on the nose a lot and mm -hmm. they will have times where they go into major decline. Again, another reason why you can't buy and hold this type of share because it repeats the same pattern. Look at what it did during the GFC, that sort of volatility. It's the same sort of thing that's happening right now with the move down. It hasn't yeah, finished I mean, yet. I mean, obviously, IWF mm. hasn't done very well. AMP's done QBE's, disastrously. Look, QBE's tried to turn around and was looking a little bit better shorter term, mm. but... You know, it's a quite risky at the moment. So the key here is to wait until the... You could apply a trend line on this stock. This is yeah. a potential um, trend line trade, but it really needs to show support across here. If it finds support around 450 and then you get a trend line entry, it could be a nice um, little opportunity in there yeah, potentially. But but it, it, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Mm. But to me, the question, part of the question was what it's going to do in the next six to 12 months. And my answer is who You can? mean following that? Well, what's it going to do in the next six to 12 months? That's what the question was. Yeah. yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is if you get a trend line on that, then we, we know that trend lines are generally more yeah. medium term. Correct. Yeah. yeah, 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 correct. But I'm, my point is who cares what's mm. going to happen in the next six to 12 months because eventually when you do get the trend line, then you'll get the signal to buy it. So I don't need to worry yeah. about it. While it's going down, I don't need to worry about it. I just look oh, at I it. I see what you're saying. I don't need to look at it yeah. once a month mm. and go, oh, still going down next. And, that's, and then eventually when it stops and starts to move up, it will probably cross a trend line and give us a nice buy signal and that's yeah. when we look at it. So look, within, we, mm. I, yeah, I agree with you. Within the six, mm. next six months or so, it could be mm. back up to around that $6 if it finds support around these levels where it is now. Could, if it Central. finds support. So that's mm. always the big if. And that's where, you know, to me, it's look at stock. I like looking at stocks that are going down for, this, for the find the watch list for the next lot of stocks that are coming on in. So I think it's great that it, they, he's watching this stock. I think that's great. But the point of view is just wait, put some rules on it and um, we'll take it from I there. I tell you what, if it does get moving mm. up again, look at the monthly chart and the resistance across that 6.30 mm. or 6.40 level. That's going to be huge down the track for it to break that 
oh. and, and make it through there. Isn't it? Yeah, mm. I mean, I think there's a better stock to buy. Yeah, I think there's better stocks to look at right now. Mm-hmm. I think right now is not necessarily time to be jumping into lots of new stocks. I think it's time to, if they've got some stocks that are good, like really good solid buyers, there's no Be risk. patient and wait, is that Just, what you're saying? Yeah, well, I'm thinking you, you don't not buy if something is really, really good because there's mm. a couple of stocks I'm looking at at the moment. I think they look pretty nice. But I'm still a bit hesitant because I think the moment the pendulum is swinging, swinging to the market coming down a little bit over the next four to six weeks into October, mm. I think that's still there. Um, right now, this is not on my watch list, but there are others on my watch list. But it, that's all the case with a trader. You're just putting stocks onto your watch list to when they when they pick up and give you those signals to buy. And, and really, it's waiting for the market to confirm or the stock to confirm what you need it to do, and rather than trying to predict where it's going to right now. Actually, I had a conversation with a gentleman today, mm. and we were talking about um, just generally what's happening in the market. And as you were just saying now, mm. if I if I just bring up an example now, this is this is yeah. a stock. I'm just digressing a little bit because I noticed we had a bit of time left. Now this is a, this is the ASX, so this is our you know our um, exchange. Yep. Now it. We were watching this. This is one of the stocks on our watch list, and we were watching this closely to see if we could trade it potentially, mm. but it didn't trigger the exact entry we were looking for and then reversed and came back strongly. So this is happening on quite a few stocks at the moment, Correct. is what you're saying, and there's a reason to be cautious right now. But when things eventually settle down, there'll be huge opportunities Correct. to make money. So people are thinking, mm. oh, I need to have my money invested all the time, but you don't. you don't. That's just a fallacy. You're just leaving your money exposed to market risk all the time mm. instead of um, taking the opportunities when they come and potentially making money in Can one or two quarters stock? of the year. You know, I was talking mm. about Wise Tech eight, you yeah, know, six yeah. or eight weeks ago, and then I like that and it's come up. One of the other ones that I used to do at the micro cap, same, same recording that Janine and I did mm. when I went through the stocks of the micro cap conference stocks that I liked, which was a recording, what, about a month, two months ago, yep. six weeks ago. One of the other stocks I always liked was Jumbo Interactive. Yes. So if you look up JIN, and put that up. This is one I like at the moment, but it's still too early. Mm. And it's exactly doing what, what you were saying. I've been waiting and waiting for this one because it made a couple of goes at, if I drag that over, it's made a couple of goes at coming up. Moved, came down, moved a little bit higher and people were excited there. Then it went sideways. But now it's looking really good, but it needs to really get through that sort of that level there. Strong and hold above it. And hold above it for me to get really excited. But this is one I do like moving forward. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you can get false triggers on these, which is what, what you were talking about. Yeah, because about. every stock has cycles and mm. sometimes they take too long to get to that peak. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, once they get through the entry le- level, all of a sudden they come back they for come a couple of weeks. And you don't know whether they're going to do that because they could just continue to scream up. And that's the risk you take. And Correct. that's why so you set a stop. we're not saying buy now. We're just saying this is on my watch list. But anyway. I yeah, think just, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> and right. now, now's the end of tonight's show. And I hope that you've enjoyed it. And thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, then send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for the upcoming shows. Now, remember to hit that subscribe button. Also, like the video. Remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your friends and colleagues so the show can grow and help more people. Also, remember to put this show on your calendar as we'll be right here on YouTube live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Now, put a comment down below on our YouTube channel. If you do like our show, make some comments, whatever you like, put it on the comment section on the recording. 
Now, we always prefer to see your face, obviously, so Absolutely. record that 30-second video question. Send it to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Of course, you can send an email. You must do this before 3 p.m. Tuesdays to get into that night's show. Well, that does bring us to the end of the show. And we, again, we really hope everyone has enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, always thanks for joining us. And we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Stop kicking me. <laughs> oh, I just thought I'd... <laughs> Say goodbye to everybody. One for prosperity. Good, good night. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.